I made you listen to multiple uh, cassette tapes uh, and CDs when you were in the car with me, held captive by Dad's car. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember listening it, to a lot of John Maxwell back. I was in the day. just fixing to say John John <laughs> Maxwell. You know, he has five things I know about people, mm-hmm. and and one of the things I absolutely uh, held on to that he said was that everybody wants to be loved, everybody wants to be affirmed, everybody wants to be well thought of, mm-hmm. and so in business, whether it's my client. Or whether it's my employees, I, I know that they want to be well thought of. Uh, I know that they want to be important. Uh, and I want them to feel that importance from me. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wisdom and the Tangents podcast. I am your host, John Mansfield. I'm here to help you grow your business, build community, and create the lifestyle you always dream of. Every week, I bring in other photographers, creative entrepreneurs, and business professionals. So whether it's from our topic of the episode or one of the many tangents that we will follow, you will walk away with some wisdom to implement in your business and in your life. Each interview is recorded live in our Facebook community where you can ask questions and be part of the conversation. Hello, welcome to the show. I, uh, I I lost my voice over the weekend and it's like slowly coming back. So that was my voice cracking um, a little, just going through puberty again in my 30s. It's cool. Uh, but yeah, welcome to the show. I'm excited that you're here, whether this is your first episode or if you've been around for like 180 other episodes, welcome. I'm excited for you to be here. I've I'm excited that you press play and decided to listen today. Um, I've got an exciting guest. I know I've said exciting a few times, but I am excited. Uh, I've got a guest for you um, who has been in the entrepreneurial game for nearly 30 years now. Um, in like six months, it'll be 30 years. So we can just round up. Let's round up to three decades. It sounds cooler uh, than 29 and a half. But, uh, but yeah, he's been in the business for a while, has started multiple businesses, continues to run uh, multiple businesses, um, and is definitely one of the reasons uh, that my entrepreneurial spirit is so strong because I grew up seeing entrepreneurship in my home because this is my dad. My dad's on the show today. Uh, Troy Mansfield uh, is is on the show. He is my guest. That is also the name that I get called uh, when I go to like put in my number um, for my account at AutoZone. They're like, Troy? I'm like, sure. Yes, because <laughs> he set that up whenever I got my first car. Uh, but yeah, Troy is on the show, uh, which sounds weird saying Troy because I just call him dad. But yeah, my dad's on the show. And um, today we're going to be going through, uh, I mean, you get to sit with us through this conversation. We go through the last three decades of business and uh, different businesses that uh, that he and my mom have started and what that looked like and like the reasons for those and uh, just pulling out some lessons and some tips learned along the way. So it is um, a great conversation. I really enjoyed it and I think you will too. Um, but yeah, let's get into the conversation with my dad, Troy Mansfield. Dad, welcome to the podcast. Hey, hey, thank you. <laughs> I'm excited to have you here. This is um, this is interesting. As I was saying before, we officially started recording. Um, you and I have a lot of 
a lot of business conversations. You've definitely been uh, someone that I have gone to for uh, counsel and advice over the last, I mean, I've been, I've had my photography business for over a decade now and like have definitely come to you for a lot of advice for, uh, uh, for that business and with this podcast and all that. So, um, it's not, uh, this is definitely not something that we have never talked about, but it's, uh, but it's going to be fun chatting on the podcast here, just kind of talking about your entrepreneurship and, and all that you've done over the last, you know, uh, nearly 30 years or so, at least, uh, I was trying to think of when y'all started in his name cleaning. That would be the late latter part of, uh, April of 94. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So almost exactly 30 years, uh, a little over 29 right now. I keep picking up my coffee. I am going to take a sip. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I guess, uh, could you give everyone a little, background about you and uh and the things that you do where you're located and all those things cool yeah sure well uh always want to start with the most important thing uh and that is that i married your mother (laughs) (laughs) right right out of high school in fact uh, she graduated and i dropped out to marry her uh, and then realized that the air force wouldn't take me without high school diploma so um, amy helped me go back to night school and uh, get my high school diploma so i could join the service which was my ultimate uh, goal, I think, was to follow in my dad's footsteps. Uh, he was U.S. Air Force retired, uh, crew chief on C-130s, B-29s, um, and B-52s. And so uh, I wanted to follow up to those footsteps. I'm the youngest in my family. I've got uh, five brothers and a sister. Everybody served in the military. And so, you know, it's kind of a, a, a rite of passage, if you will, uh, right. for me. And so... Um, so anyway, I joined the service and then uh, I wasn't in there very long before I got injured on the flight line and uh, subsequently um, medically separated uh, from the military. And um, and then I, you know, then I had to figure out what I was going to do for a living. So I I, uh, I love to tinker with cars. Uh, and so I uh, started working at a, a auto parts store as a delivery driver um, and worked my way up to uh, to managing a store. Um, and ended up managing three different stores, uh, mainly Dale's auto parts. I did work at AutoZone for a little bit. Didn't like that. Uh, nothing against AutoZone, but I just like the mom and pop aspect of, uh, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Like kind of, yeah, that, that mom and pop, like local hard or not hardware, but local auto parts store versus the national chain of everything has to be done this way. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And a mom and pop, you know, it was Dale Smith who owned it when, which is actually from Houston. Hmm. Uh, but, uh, he had, uh, several stores in Austin. And so I, I worked out in Cedar park. I worked, uh, you know, in Austin, uh, in, uh, in round rock. And so, uh, I enjoyed, uh, doing that aspect of it, but, um, completely different podcasts that we could talk about, uh, <laughs> later. Uh, but, I was going to say, we could probably, talk for an hour just about what it was like managing different stores and all that. Cause I know we, like you and I haven't really talked about that too much. Cause I was what two at that point, maybe. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I know I was, I was really little, so definitely didn't remember too much. Um, I remember 
was it was it Dale's Auto Parts that um, like you drove around a monster truck at one point? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember that. So, however yeah. old I was there to remember driving around in a monster truck, uh, I, yeah, I you probably that. would have been four. Yeah, I think you were four or five at that okay. time. Yeah. But yeah, I uh, and then whenever I said a different podcast, you know, uh, I I had a uh, um, I had a problem with the law and uh, and I got accused of a crime that I didn't commit. Mm-hmm. And after a year of fighting them um, and being threatened with uh, you know twenty five years to life in prison, um, I subsequently took a plea, and uh, and so it side sidelined uh, my career in auto parts. Uh, nobody yeah. wants to hire a felon. Right. And, and so uh, it, that's what really forced me to go, OK, well, uh, I'll hire myself. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. Right. Yeah. So uh, so <laughs> no I'll start my own job. Do this. I will right. hire myself. <laughs> yeah. And so I started my own business. Uh, Amy and I did. And uh, since then, we've had, um, I guess, four different businesses. Um, and two of them are fairly active today. One's active and, and uh, two, uh, the other two are, are just kind of in the background. If mm-hmm. I ever need them, um, I can still use them. There's still file taxes on them, all that good stuff. But yeah. But yeah, other, other than that, you know, um, that's kind of my background. Um, uh, I started in uh, entrepreneurship just out of necessity uh, more yeah. than anything. And, and the fact that um, I didn't think anybody could manage me better than me. Right. You know, yeah. and I'm ex-military. And so, uh, you know, I knew I knew what I wanted and, and I had a pretty good idea how to get there. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I read Norman Vincent Peale's book, uh, you know, uh, Positive Thinking, you know, The Power of Positive Thinking. Right. And yeah. uh, and um, I can't remember the guy's name that wrote uh, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People, uh, Dale Carnegie. Dale Carnegie. Yeah. Yeah. And uh and so that was really helpful in, you know, how to manage people, um, how to get the most out of people, uh, not to manipulate them, but, but how to pull out of people the very best that they have within them uh, and want them to be the very best. And so I, I, had, a, a, I had a knack for that. And so, yeah. uh, so anyway, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of me in a nutshell. Yeah, no, uh, that's great. And, and yeah, the, those are, I mean, really great books too. Uh, for anyone listening who is looking for some good books or audiobooks, um, definitely check out those. I'll put them in the show notes for you. Uh, but yeah, the Dale Carnegie's, uh, how to win friends and influence people is really, really great for like, especially for people who are just like, I don't really know how to manage people. I don't know how to work with people. I don't know how to like get people to do what I want them to do or what like needs to be needs to happen. Um, especially when you're managing people or running a team or something like that, it is difficult to, you know, because as the manager, as the owner of your business, you care about your business and you're like, well, I'm going to do everything that I can to make sure that this works well. And the people that you hire your team, most of the time don't feel as passionately about your business as you do. They're like, yeah, yeah, I'll show up and I'll do what I need to do, but I'm also out of here. I'm not thinking about this afterwards. Uh, Cause I remember when I had a, a nine to five job, um, I did not think about inspecting, uh, you know, uh, precision sheet metal 
at 8 p.m. on a Wednesday. I was not just like, oh, but what about if I use this tool and have a better, you know, tolerance or whatever? I'm like, didn't think about it till the next 8 a.m. when I got back into the job. Right. Uh, well, so, but but it, 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 at the same time, when you were in the job, uh, mm-hmm. everybody uh, knew how uh, meticulous you were in detail. Yeah. Uh, and you did your job to the nth degree. And that's what people are looking for in, a, in oh, an exactly. employee is somebody who's willing to care, at least while you're there. <laughs> yes. You know, rather yeah. than maybe I don't care about you at nine o'clock at night. But uh-huh. when I'm when I'm there at 0800, I am I'm thinking about, you know, my job and how can I be the best I can for my company. So exactly. Yeah. Good yeah. Stuff. Like you have your own position in the business and you're going to, you know, you need to do that to the best that you can. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, that influencing people. And like you said, uh, not in a manipulative way. Um, I think there's a, a line there that a lot of people, like whenever you talk about influencing and, and all of that, it kind of, people jump to, well, like you're persuading them or manipulating them to do something that they don't want to do, but rather it's like influencing them to do the things that, um, that need to be done or that they, they should do, or that, uh, you know, helping them find their way, just kind of like guiding them like a, like a Yoda character, like guiding Skywalker to where (laughs) he needed to go to learn all the Jedi things instead of like manipulating him to, to figure out all of that. Um, Yeah. But, well, yeah. well, real quick, just to finish answering your question. Yes. Um, uh, now, Amy and I, or your mom and I, are uh, in Beaumont uh, area. We're actually in Anahuac, Texas, which is uh, two blocks off of Trinity Bay, um, which is the northern part of the Galveston Bay. And uh, our goal whenever we moved was that we wanted to be close to our pastor, which we uh, came to know the Lord under in uh, 1994, May 29th, 1994. And um, he's in Beaumont. And so uh, we wanted to be at least, a, you know, an hour away from there mm-hmm. uh, and 15 minutes from water. So I don't know where my priorities lied there, you know, but uh, <laughs> but I wanted to be near fishing. And uh, and mom and I found this uh, amazing little house. And so we're very happy where we're at. Uh, and so that's that's where we're at now. We're, we're in the uh, Beaumont, uh, southeast Texas area. Cool. Yeah, definitely. You know, if you're, you're going to be, you're going to be going to the water and fishing more often than Sunday mornings. So yeah, it makes sense to be closer to the water. (laughs) Definitely more often. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely more. In this world, you can edit your own photos. Oh man, this is taking forever. How long have you been at that anyway? Uh, almost six weeks now and they're due any day. Or you can let AI do the editing for you. Haven't you heard of Imagine AI? Yeah, but I don't really know how it works. I don't want some robot editing my photos. Uh, It's a computer and it's really simple. You just upload photos that you've already edited and the AI learns how to edit just like you. So it's kind of like I'm still editing. Uh, In a way, yeah, sure. Except you're not camping out at your computer every night this busy season okay i'll try it but i need them back tonight the future is now oh it's already done that was faster than i expected 
Go to allheartphoto.com slash AI and get your first 1,500 images edited for free with Imagine AI. That's allheartphoto.com slash AI and embrace the new technology. I don't know, just kind of thinking back over the last... 29 years and the all the different um, businesses that y'all have started and, and all of that has there been something uh, a piece a piece of advice or a lesson that you've learned that just like changed the way that you look at business or, or life in general well i mean you know your dad so life in general is going to have to be my relationship with the lord um mm-hmm. you know a lot of people will uh you know, will say that they know Christ as their savior, but don't understand what it means for him to be Lord. And when he's Lord of your life, then everything that you do filters through him and, uh, and filters through your desire to point people, uh, to him and to his love. And so that also filters into your company. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I made you listen to multiple, uh, cassette tapes, uh, and CDs when you were in the car with me, held captive by dad's car. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember listening it, to a lot of John Maxwell. Back that in was the day. just fixing to say, John, <laughs> John Maxwell, you know, he has five things I know about people. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things I absolutely uh, held on to that he said was that everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be affirmed. Everybody wants to be well thought of. Mm-hmm. And so in business, whether it's my client, or whether it's my employees, I, I know that they want to be well thought of. Uh, I know that they want to be important. Uh, and I want them to feel that importance from me. And so yeah. one of the things that I've always tried to do is I, I try to think of it in myself, what is it that if I was in this relationship and let's say I'm a 27 year old uh, meeting a 57, I'm 57 uh, next month mm-hmm. uh, and I'm a 27 year old meeting a 57 year old, how would I want that 57 year old to treat me? So yeah. I would want him uh, to have respect for me, even though I'm 27, mm. uh, encourage me, uh, in what I might be able to do, uh, affirm me in what I'm already doing. Uh, and then the opposite, if I'm 27 meeting a 57 year old, then I want to be able to, uh, acknowledge the fact that he's my elder, um, uh, praise him for the work that he does. Thank him for all that he's done for, uh, for me, whether it's in my business or in mentorship. And so, I don't know. You know, my businesses have not really been um, have not really been something that I focused on um, as far as you know marketing. Although you know, you have to focus on marketing and, and yeah. how are you going to get at your business out at least some there. point, uh, some yeah. some percentage. Yeah, but the uh, but yeah. the biggest way to to market a company, in my opinion, is word of mouth, mm-hmm. and that if my clients love me, then they're more likely to tell somebody else about me and my service whenever they hear that they need my type of service, whether it be my business consulting uh, or whether it would be my my janitorial service uh, or, you know, Amy's bakery, uh, you know, no matter what it might be, um, you know, we look, we want to be able to treat people in such a way that, uh, that they'll remember us over everybody else because of the way we've treated them, how we've cared about their needs and their desires. And we weren't out to make a killing. We were out to make a living. Yeah. And there's a big yeah. difference in that. There is. People a big can see it. Oh yeah. 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 And they, they can, they, they feel that whenever they talk to you and whenever they interact with your business, if you're out there just trying to 
to make as much as you can and, you know, penny pinch cutting corners and everything on the back end. So you can take a, a higher profit. They feel that, um, yeah. and they feel like they're, they're more of just a number than a person. Absolutely. And, yeah. yeah. And like you said, you know, making, making sure that they feel like, uh, like, like they are cared for, that they're loved, that they're seen as a person, goes a huge way, especially for, I mean, one, just their client experience, uh, just them interacting with you and they may not, you may not get any residual referrals or anything from them. And there are plenty of people that I've worked with that I I haven't had any referrals. There's others that have sent, you know, five or six weddings my way of just like, John was amazing. So great to work with. We felt taken care of. He saw us and our personalities and had those through the photos. So you have to work with him. And that kind of thing was not where I'm like asking them to do that, but where, you know, if you, if you show, um, there's a, a Maya Angelou quote that I love that's, um, and I always forget it. <laughs> I lo- I love it, but it's always hard to remember uh, the order. But it's um, you know people won't remember um, what you did. They won't remember what you said, but they will always remember how you made them feel. Oh right, that's good. And and that like ties in exactly with what you're talking about. Kind of that golden rule of um, what is it in in Matthew? The golden rule right. where uh, you know do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Just like you yes. were saying, putting yourself in someone else's shoes, um, like as that, putting yourself in the shoes of the 27 year old meeting you and like, how would you want to be um, uh, addressed and in, in all of that? And as a business owner, putting yourself in the shoes of your clients and uh, in your target uh, demographic is, is really big because you can see like, oh, yeah, the, these are some some pain points that they have. And these are some things that they probably would want addressed. And if they're, you know, especially like for me as a wedding photographer, like people are often, one of the things that they talk about most often is feeling, they don't want to feel awkward in the photos. They're like, I'm not a professional model. I don't want to be posed out here and feel weird. So right. I speak to that on my homepage of, you know, you deserve more than stiff and awkward photos. And I've had so many people just be like, yeah, I saw that, that tagline on your website. And I was like, yeah, we're looking for someone who can take photos of us that we don't feel stiff and awkward. Yeah, that's Uh, good. But yeah, like putting yourself in, in your, your potential client's shoes is a huge thing Um, that will definitely change just the way that you, you approach your business and the way that you approach clients. Absolutely. But, yeah. Okay. So I know we were, uh, you know, we, we talked about like Dale's auto parts and, and managing and everything. Did you ever have to like run ads or, or like, were you more of like the, the manager of the, the people themselves or, um, like, uh, marketing and all of that as well? Well, I think that, the uh, the job title was simply just to manage the store, uh, okay. which would be managing the people. But um, I never, uh, I never did that. I, I took it to uh, the maximum that they would allow me to do. Uh, <laughs> you know, to the point of uh, of mom and I actually built planter boxes and put them outside the store with flowers in them. Okay, now that's that's not a manager job. That's, that's corporate. No. 
but yeah. uh, but whenever corporate saw it, they were like, "Oh, I love this. This is amazing." Uh, window displays, you know, uh, I did that, and and they did allow me to do in store promotions, and so um, not necessarily advertise, but if you came mm-hmm. in uh, and you got you know um, a, an alternator, maybe you got half off the belt. Uh, which would encourage you to go ahead and get a belt because anytime you do an alternator, you should always get a belt right. and then save your old belt in the trunk in case you ever need it. Just a hit of advice. Yeah. So, uh, a little extra tip there. <laughs> a little extra tip there. Um, but yeah, so really more than anything, it, it was staging the store, um, making it user friendly, uh, having, um, you know, pick up items that, uh, you know, near the cash register, things that you normally wouldn't think of. But when you're walking up here, you're like, oh, well, I am getting brake pads. Maybe I should get some of this non-squeak for my uh, for my brake pads. Oh, here it is yeah. right here. So those kinds of things. But uh, but always had that same auto zone mentality, which was stop, drop, 30, 30. Within, within 30 feet of somebody walking in your store or 30 seconds, you mm-hmm. must greet them. You must say something to them. You know, yeah. uh, hey, you know, welcome to Dell's Auto Parts. We'll be with you in just a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, or actually going up to them. Hey, how's it going? Can I help you find anything? Um, acknowledging somebody in the room. One of the things I always hated was when I go into an auto or any store and and they're on the phone with somebody and the person on the phone seems to be more important than me standing in front of with my wallet in my hand. Uh-huh. And so that always bothered me in, in, in any industry. And so I made sure that my staff knew that the person standing in front of you is much more important than the person on the line. Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, that is a business on the line you're with. And yeah. then please handle my uh, commercial accounts. But, uh-huh. but yeah, um, not a whole lot of advertising I got to do. Got to do some market analysis, which I thought was really fun to do. Mm-hmm. Calling uh, other stores, uh, A Line, which was in Austin, Vans Auto Parts, and some others, which were kind of mom and pops uh, there in Austin, and finding out what are, what are they selling a you know a Chevrolet Rotor for, uh, so that I can make sure that I'm comparable in price, uh, and then I was able to meet match somebody else's deal that they might be offering in store. So somebody comes in and says I'm. You know, I'm looking at da 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 da. Well, uh, normally it's X Y Z, but I do know that Vans is offering it today for ten percent off, and so I'm willing to match that if you'd like to go ahead and pick it up today. And mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, they go ahead and pick it up today. Yeah. So you know, knowing what your competitor's doing, trying to match what your competitor's doing or, or or better, and then the service that you have just draws people closer to you. Yeah, and and like that match, you actually saying like, oh, hey you know, Vans is, is offering 10% off today. Like they probably didn't know that, or maybe they did. And just, they were, you know, that's another five miles down the road or something. And they, right. they came to you first, but you offering that is like, for me, I would just be like, Oh, well, yeah. Like you didn't have to offer me 10% off, but you did. So obviously I'm going to go ahead and do that here. I'm already here anyway. So that's right. And I don't yeah. want you to go five miles down the road and find out that they have what I know they already have because I did my market analysis. Right. And so because I know they have that, I want to make sure that I offer it before you leave my door because mm-hmm. I want your wallet open before you leave. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just, Oh yeah. It's the way it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And like, there's, there's something uh, a little different, different between uh, you know for for anyone who's listening who's like 
you know, in more of like the service industry, there is also that comparison of you definitely want to check out your, your market analysis. Uh, because like I, I have, uh, photographer friends in New York and the average wedding up there is not the same price as the average wedding right. here in Texas. For sure. Uh, cause the, the cost of living is much more expensive up there. So everything is, a you know, is, is higher. And, um, and talking to them, you know, making a hundred thousand dollars a year in New York is uh, is is just a step above like homelessness. It's like you yes. can hardly find a place to live, and uh, and a hundred thousand dollars here is just like, well, this is great. I can go buy myself a house, and like <laughs> you can, you're 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 much more comfortable. So like that kind of market analysis, looking around and seeing what other people, you know, I just did this recently cause it has been probably five years or so since I had really looked at the market around here and, uh, and it has definitely, um, increased over the last five years, uh, as it should, you know, everything, sure. Grows Everything's and, increased. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and that's, it's smart to do no matter what your business is, is look around and not necessarily look around and see like, Oh, they're charging 1200 for, you know, all day wedding photography coverage. So I'm going to charge a thousand and then running yourself into the ground and being over overwhelmed and overrun with work because you're not charging enough for the value that you're providing. Cause they may yes. be, you know, I have worked with, uh, with other photographers before where they literally just show up and take photos and just throw a preset on it and give it back within a week. And they're just like, here you go. And there, there wasn't a lot, you know, I, I second shot for someone and, um, was asking about the couple cause I always like to, to know a little bit about them. I was like, what are their names? And he was like, uh, um, I know her name. I'm not really sure what his name is. And I was like, it's hilarious. Oh, okay. That's this is very scary. different than how I work. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Um, but yeah, having that market analysis of knowing what the people around you are doing, what they're offering and, uh, and being around there. Uh, yeah. because if you're in a market where the average photographer is $2,000 and most people are around two to $3,000 and then you come in charging eight because that's what the average was where you, you used to be or what, uh, where you want to photograph at, uh, you're not going to have nearly as much business, uh, as being around where everyone else is. And you're in your industry. Do a lot of people have their pricing on their website? Um, uh, somewhat, uh, a lot of people have a starting price on their website yeah. of like packages start at 2,500 or whatever. Um, which I'm not a big fan of because that anchors the price at the lowest. So whenever your client is coming to you and they see on your website, it's like, Oh, packages start at 2,500, that 2,500 is already imprinted in their mind. So whenever they talk to you or whenever they get your pricing sheet and then you have, you know, the package that fits their wedding and it's $5,500, they're like, Oh man, that's way more than I was expecting to pay. Um, so it's, uh, 
I'm a fan of just being upfront and have have everything on there or at least like a link to uh, to something where they can download a pricing guide or something like that. Um, but yeah, most people just have a starting price or a lot of people have the um, fill out my contact form to get prices. Right. Yeah. And, and not a lot of people are going to do not. Well, I'd say not a lot, but I would imagine the majority of people will not fill out that to get your yes. pricing. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, it's when, one more barrier of entry. And, you know, when you I think we're around the time that you first got started, uh, mm-hmm. mom, mom and I started helping uh, uh, a couple who owned a wedding venue in Taylor, Texas, called the Taylor yeah. Mansion. Uh, and uh, and when we helped started helping them with that, um, we didn't really have any pricing online. Uh, and I was kind of against the idea of putting the pricing online. But mm-hmm. as I started looking at the market and and analyzing some of the other venues, they did kind of have their packages online. And then at the end of each one, there were uh, you can uh, take away from or add to each of these packages to be able to get uh, to fine tune your budget. And so, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm all for uh, at least putting the tickler out there for what, what you do. And, and one last thing about market analysis is that uh, I always used mom as my market analysis person uh, because Uh uh, I didn't want uh, a phone call coming from my business line. Uh, to another auto parts store or right. to another janitorial company or whatever the case might be. Um, and they're like, uh, I see who you are, dude. You know, I've got caller <laughs> ID. Uh, so I'd use mom and, and she was always good at being able to uh, ask the questions that were necessary to get the results I was looking for. Anyways. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That way you're not like going and filling out other people's contact forms with your business email. And they're like, yeah. Uh, this uh, is photography in the email. <laughs> so that's funny. I, don't, I don't think so. so John, uh, I know you. Yeah. <laughs> I know who you are. That's funny. <laughs> just, just send me a text. Like, what do you, is this you? Did you do this? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think it's good to, to have an idea of where people are around you. Um, and, and not so that you can undercut them and be, you know, bottom of the market because when, um, when you do that, everyone, you're going to get all of the, the price shoppers, the tire kickers, the people yep. that are just looking for the cheapest deal and yep. they're going to treat you like the cheapest deal. Um, because that's what they're looking for. Um, yep. and I have, I have done that whenever, <laughs> whenever I first started, cause I was like, all right, everyone's charging about 1500. I'm going to charge 750. And uh, but 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 that was kind of necessary in the beginning to get your foot in the door and to build your portfolio yes. so that and and get those recommendations on Yelp or or mm. uh, you know Google Plus or not Google Plus but whatever they call them for you know getting yeah. your uh, reviews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh yeah, and I think I was the one who was telling you, "Hey, let's uh, let's let's lower your price a little bit so that oh, we yeah. can get our foot in the door." Because Especially, I knew the quality of work that you do, right. so I knew that if once you get your foot in somebody's door and get enough, um, you know, clients underneath your belt, you can raise mm. your price and people will pay it. Yes, yeah, and I, I do think that for like your first few, a hundred percent, like 
be the bottom of the barrel because that's where you're starting. <laughs> like you don't, yeah, you good, don't just right. jump into the middle of the barrel. You're starting at the bottom. And you know, once you do have that experience and you have a few weddings on your belt, you have a few photo shoots or, you know, uh, have baked a few cakes or whatever you do, right. then it. you can be like, okay, I have the experience here. I've done the things where I like one of my second wedding that I shot, I didn't get a photo of the bride and her dad together. <laughs> and, and I was like, he was there. He was standing right there whenever I called family over. But, you know, it, I didn't have the experience to be sure. like, this is, I have the shot list that I need to make sure that I get all of these. But after that That's wedding, good. I for sure got all of the parents <laughs> and right. anyone who was remotely related. You're getting a picture. That's good. Um, but yeah, like once you have that little bit of experience, you can raise your prices a little bit. Yeah. And then once you have more experience, you can raise them even more. And, uh, yeah. And then once you're 10 years in, you can still raise your prices Absolutely. and continue. I mean, I'm still continuing to learn and grow, um, which I, I believe that you should always be learning and growing. And yeah. once you stop learning, uh, you, you, the business starts dying because yeah, that's uh, right. you, you need to be like that stream that's constantly moving instead of a stagnant pond full of dead fish. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is uh, maybe not the best uh, analogy, but I don't know. Um, okay. So like through, through, through all, Oh, there was one more thing in that. Um, it, it was probably like 15 minutes ago now, um, but I was like mental pin. I was trying to, to put um, about something. Oh, I don't remember now. It, it was something to do with, um, Oh, the planter boxes that y'all made and yes. and that kind of thing that is not something that you might necessarily think of like how am i going to better the experience of the people who are coming in to this auto parts store um you know how what can i do you wouldn't immediately think oh you know planter boxes put some flowers outside make it look nice and pretty but you know there's really something to be said about aesthetics and the way that people um, view what you're doing, um, especially these days with websites, where if you have yep. an ugly, a slow website, something with uh, a, a terrible font face, uh, yep. people are just like, eh, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to go on to someone else. Or, or they kind of yep. put you lower on their list of, possible people to work with because they're like they used comic sans and i just i don't know if i can hire someone who used comic sans font well uh, the, well the plant planner box just so you know was mama's idea uh, uh because behind every good man is a great woman and so uh, she always had the the eye for what looked good and right. and what would be attractive and and i think the same thing goes for like you said for a website is that you know i need to know what colors draw people in uh, there's plenty of things out there where you could you could study the idea of what color makes people want to open their wallet. Believe it or mm -hmm. not, there is a color that yep. draws people to want to spin uh, or willing to spin um, and makes it attractive for them. And so, yeah, absolutely. It's the same thing I did with a store. People need to do with their website. Mm hmm. And, and yeah. their self, by the way, how they present themselves in person will yes. make a huge difference too. If, if you come in sloppily looking, guess what? You know, I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not real impressed with what you do, but if you come in looking sharp as a tech, well, okay, now oh, uh, yeah. I bet he takes good pictures. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, I remember before I started the photography business, um, I was also helping y'all, you know, when y'all were managing that wedding venue, I was out there putting out all the chairs and yeah. you know, wiping them down whenever we would get rain the morning of a wedding or something. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I remember seeing, cause I, I had an interest in photography and I had taken a few family photos yeah. at this point, like senior photos, but not, not weddings. Uh, so I was always watching the photographers since during the ceremony, we were usually just like waiting for cocktail hour to start so we could start serving people. Right. And we would often watch the the tail end of the ceremony. And I remember one time there was a, a photographer who was in like jeans and flip flops and yeah. was just walking around, like walked behind the couple to take a photo. And I was like, <laughs> you are drawing so much attention to yourself right. yeah. and you don't look good. Like if you were in a suit and you did that, right. I'd be like, oh, oh, all right. Well, obviously he's getting a really great shot right now, but you're in jeans and flip flops. I'm like, I don't, is this guy the professional yeah. photographer or is this yeah. a cousin who yeah, is that's... just around here? And yeah, there were a few of them that I was just like, I'm taking pointers from you to not dress this way. <laughs> uh, that's and that's good. why like from my very first wedding, I wore a tie yep. and I didn't have a suit at that point. Uh, well, I guess I, I had I had my wedding suit, but um, but I did lose the pants to that suit very quickly after yeah. the wedding. Not really sure I don't what, know happened. what happened. <laughs> not not sure. Whenever I moved into uh, to the house, um, it was probably on the honeymoon, but we won't get into that. <laughs> yeah, I did not take that suit. We were in Cancun, and I was in a bathing suit the whole time. That's funny. Like, this is the suit I'm wearing. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I was like, I want to look nice. I want yep. to wear a tie. I want to present myself in a way that you feel comfortable with giving me thousands of dollars. Um, even though you see the photos that I produce, there's also a, a point of it where, you know, uh, you have to look nice. Um, you know, you're not going to book luxury weddings if you're showing up in a polo and some khakis. Uh, right. They're going to want you to look uh, in place uh, like you're supposed you to go. be there. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think that's, that's great advice. Has there been any, anything else that has helped you like push forward, you know, other than the, the referrals and, and, um, and really elevating that client experience, has there been anything else that's helped, kind of grow like when you needed to grow, uh, any of the businesses, um, to help get other, uh, other jobs or anything like that. Uh, other than realizing that you're going to get a lot of no's before you'll get a yes. Mm. Uh, and so sometimes you just, especially in, in our janitorial business, you know, sometimes oh, yeah. you just have to beat the pavement, you know, and get out there and, and, uh, try to get, uh, try to get a job and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, realize that, you know, for every no you get, uh, there's a yes coming right around the corner. And yeah. so, you know, I'm, thank you for saying no, because that puts me one step closer to my yes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and sometimes it's hard to keep that attitude. Uh, but, uh, especially when it's yeah. like the 10th or 11th no in a row and you're like, I just need a yes. I just want someone to say yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have a story about that, but I won't tell it because it's not good uh, in business, but let's just suffice it to say that I made it very clear that the person should have hired me. 
okay. and I showed him <laughs> what his dirty place looked like. But uh, <laughs> not good. But uh, yeah, I think I think more than anything, that was really it. Was just realizing that you gotta uh, you gotta keep at it. You know? Yeah. And and uh, you know, a no doesn't mean that you're bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just means no for them. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and there is a yes coming right around the corner. Yeah, that identifying, uh, like taking that no personally, um, that I I know I did early on because I I also would pride myself of like every single person who's ever met up with me in person has booked. And, uh, and I did that for probably two years, which is, was only like maybe 12, 14 uh, couples who booked me. But I remember that first time that I met up with someone and then they said, no, we went with someone else. And I was like, what? How Are you breaking you do up with me? What's going on? <laughs> and like, it felt like that heartache of that's funny. Yeah. How could they say no? We were such a good fit. And, and uh, yeah, like learning not to take that personally is very difficult. Uh, especially when you, you do get no's, over and over again, but putting yourself back out there and, um, in, in getting out in front of more and more people. Um, you know, that's, uh, one of the reasons why I am such a huge advocate for, you know, SEO and blogging and using keywords on social media and all of that, because that gives you more reach so you can get more leads and, you know, you shouldn't be booking every single person. Because uh, sometimes I'll meet with someone and they say no. And I'm like, okay, well, that means that that weekend is still available for someone else yeah. who will pay me. And, and just, it takes a lot of time and a lot of, you know, sticky notes on the mirror to remind you <laughs> that, uh, that these no's are not personally uh, directed toward you. Although I did get someone who said that they just didn't like my personality. And I was like, that's, that's interesting weird. and we are yeah. definitely not a good fit so i don't right. want i do not want to be around you for 10 hours on a wedding day um but no i, I think fun. that's uh that's a really good thing to keep in mind as you're as you're moving forward in your business and growing you know uh, no matter where you are in your business i get a ton of no's now because i get a lot more inquiries you know, I get hundreds of inquiries a year versus the like maybe 30 or so that I was getting five years ago. And right. there's a lot more no's and that's okay because the yeses will come around eventually. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Sure. Well, this has been great. Is there any other uh, advice or anything that you uh, had planned to share or anything? I, I, I feel like this, uh, we got so much just out of what we've already talked about. And we've already been here too long, huh? Gosh, I have two I know, pages we're like of four minutes in here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I will tell you, and I think you might remember this, but, uh, but every time I, I had a client, uh, a possible client, mm-hmm. uh, I would write their name on a pad and mm-hmm. I would stick it in my Bible at Deuteronomy eight eighteen because yeah. it's God who gives me the ability to make well. Mm-hmm. And so this isn't about me. This is about him giving me the ability to make that well. Uh, and I don't want this client if that client's not meant for me. Yeah. So, uh, and I did that. I've done that with every single business that we've owned. Um, I did it with other people's business when we helped with the uh, 
the wedding venue. Um, I gave them a Bible or actually got their Bible and showed them where we're going to be putting everyone. So when you see that I have a, a, a appointment with a client, I want you to write their name down here. And mm. you believe that God gives us the ability to make wealth. It ain't Troy uh, and it ain't you. Uh, and it isn't even the prettiness of this venue, but it's God who gives us the ability to make wealth. So I think that's probably one of the biggest thing. And then, and the other one is probably Pro- Proverbs thirteen four. You know, I, I, let me read it right out of the word. Yeah. Uh, a, a sluggard, a sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. So don't be lazy. Mm. You got to get up. You got to go to work. You got to put in the eight, 10, 12, 14 hours, 16 hours, whatever it takes to build your business, uh, to make it happen. You have a dream and the way you're going to, my mother always said, you know, work as if it depends on you and praise if it depends on God. And so that work as, as much as depends on you, you got to get out there and make it happen. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, don't be a sluggard, you know, get out there and make it happen. Shake the bushes. Uh, that'll make you succeed. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hear from people or like see online people talking about like, well, you know, I've been, I've been praying for, for more business to come in and, you know, I just, I just haven't been seeing anything, but you know, the, the seventh season of the show on Netflix is really good. I'm like, if, if you are, you know, there, there's, there's definitely, you know, God does a lot of, a lot of stuff through prayer, but he also asks us, to take action and not to just like pray for things and then sit and, and be lazy and just be like, well, you know, well, I, I prayed for more work. So God will come through. I was like, God is wanting you to get up and, and do the things so that you can accept the work that he's bringing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. If we go through the Bible, we'll find out that God partnered with man all the way through. Oh yeah. And so it wasn't as though he acted alone. He mm. always worked through uh, individuals and he wants to work through your life and whether yeah. it's growing your business or growing relationships or whatever the case might be. But uh, oh, yeah. uh, there was a question that you had on your, on your thing that you sent me, like maybe we'll talk about. Oh, and yeah. so I'm, I'm, I'm going to answer the question if that's Let's okay with you. We have you no talk- time limit. Yeah, this is. Uh, oh, that's good. You can always yeah. edit it and make it a two part. Ah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Tune but, back uh, next week. <laughs> <laughs> same bat time, same bat channel for those of you who are old enough. Um, <laughs> you had asked if there's anything new going on in our life. And yeah. um, uh, mom and I are uh, in the process of getting our counseling degree uh, nice. or cer- certification for yeah. uh, Christian counseling uh, with really a, a drive toward addiction. Uh, mm. And so we've been working with a place called the Dream Center of Southeast Texas, uh, which is uh, a place run by uh, Mike and Velva Connor. Uh, good, good folk out there. And uh, I think right now we have maybe 18, uh, 19 men and maybe five or six uh, women that are out there. It's a year long program, faith based, uh, free uh, for for anybody to go to. And so it doesn't cost you a dime. Uh, and it's a safe place for people to get off of drugs and, and get a new avenue of life. And so, you know, at this stage of our life, we want to give more, much more than we've taken. Right. And, uh, and so we're, that's really our goal is to, is to give back. Um, I'm also working with legislation reform because I was forced into a plea back 25 years ago, uh, 20, whatever it was years ago. Mm-hmm. I, um, uh, I'm really working hard with uh, trying to change legislation. There are 10 states, including Puerto Rico, 104 million of us that live in a state where a prosecutor can lie about evidence that he has against you. 
he can hide exculpatory evidence. So I have a video that it's a black guy on the video, but I got a white guy in jail and I don't like the white guy. So I'm putting him in jail and I'm going to force him into a plea. And when 96 to 97% of all felony convictions result from a plea, which means only three to 4% go to trial, there's a really lopsided. We're no longer a system of trials. We're a system of pleas. Yeah. And so we need to change some of the laws and, and several states have done that. Uh, but, but Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi are really stuck in this. And we have more exonerations in Texas, uh, than I think any other state, um, maybe partly because we're bigger. Uh, I don't really know, but, mm. uh, but maybe because we're a good old boy system and, uh, you know, we want to be tough on crime. And so we'll put anybody in jail. We don't like, Right. Uh, my prosecutor said, I don't give away exculpatory evidence when I think the guy's guilty, which means I'm not going to turn over anything that shows his innocence because I think he's guilty. And if he wasn't guilty of this one, he's guilty of something else. So let's put him mm. in jail. So that's like, how are you even justifying this? If you have that evidence that shows that he's innocent yeah, and then you're I like, but I think, I think he actually yeah. did that. Yeah, I don't he's think pro- this innocence is, is yeah, he's probably guilty of something. So let's go yeah. ahead and put him in jail kind of mm. attitude. Yeah. Yeah. If and, he ended and, up around here and someone's accusing of something, he probably did something. So yeah. might as well throw him in there. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I was talking to my physical therapist yesterday. I go to uh, I go to water therapy because of my injury 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 of my back and, and my legs. And so mm-hmm. uh, you know, long story. But um but I was talking to her about something that I'm uh, I've been working on and really uh diving into is that um I talked to a lot of these guys out of the dream center and uh, some of them are older, you know, in their sixties, some of them are forties. Uh, and they feel like maybe they've just ruined their life. You know, they've, they've, uh, they've done a lot of drugs. They pushed away family, they pushed away loved ones. Yeah. Uh, and they don't have value in their life and they don't see value. Uh, and, uh, you know, that can be a real problem when you don't see that you have value. And so, um, I'm just working on uh, something that I want to be able to have a way of helping prove somebody that life is valuable and that you're valuable no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've done, uh, no matter who you've done it to, your life Mm -hmm. is valuable. Uh, It it can have meaning uh, and, uh, you know, proven a life. Uh, You know, you've you've heard of the butterfly effect. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. So so that was... uh, uh, I can't remember Lorenz, I think in 1963 did his doctrinal thesis on the butterfly effect, mm-hmm. which is basically saying that a butterfly can flap his wings on the other side of the world, move molecules of air, which move other molecules of air and could cause a storm uh, on the other side of the world. Yeah. Uh, and, and everybody laughed him out of, uh, out of the uh, science world uh, until probably 1984 uh, or so where they went, oh, you know what, maybe there's something to this. And now it's been proven that, that the butterfly effect is actually real. Um, and I was looking at a, uh, uh, at a couple of stories, but really I just wanted to, to point that you, you don't, and I'm not going to get it deep in the story because I know we're time constraint, but. Uh, no time constraints. That, we're good. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, if you're yeah. good, I'm going to, I'm going to dive in for just Go a second because I do yeah. think that this is really important because even in business people, we can look at our business and say, it's not growing at the rate I want it to. Uh, mm. I, I'm not making as much money as I need to make for my family or myself. Uh, and, and maybe I really don't have any value here. And, uh, and it's important for us to know that we do have value and, um, uh, Norman Borlaug, who was a uh, vice president under uh, Roosevelt, 
uh, which Roosevelt had three vice presidents and was elected four times as president. Go figure. We've changed that rule. Uh, (laughs) But uh, but he used to be the secretary of agriculture. And uh, and he started uh, he he got a guy. um, Excuse me. Nance was the secretary was his his, uh, uh, was the vice president. Norm Borlaug was the guy who Nance hired to go into uh, Mexico and develop a hybrid or, or, uh, hybridized, um, corn and wheat so that mm. it could grow in, uh, in bad climates, in, in dry climates. And, uh, and since then billions, uh, well over 2 billion people have been saved from famine because of what Norman Borlaug developed in Mexico for, uh, for climates that, that don't have the water to be able to, to grow wheat and corn. Right. Uh, and that's really cool, except, you know, the guy who really got the credit would be uh, the, the vice president. Uh, and and now I'm I'm drawing a complete blank. Let me look at my notes real quick, because I know I have. Oh, Henry Wallace. Uh, Henry Wallace was the vice president under Roosevelt. Forgive me. And um, and Wallace is the one that that made him go down there. So Henry Wallace probably ought to get the credit for saving the two billion. Unless, of course, it, it might be uh, George Washington Carver. George Washington Carver was a, a student at Ohio State University uh, working on his, uh, what do they call it, a botanist or whatever, you know, working with plants. Uh-huh. And, uh, and Henry Wallace's dad was at the same school. And so Henry Wallace's dad would ask George Washington Carver to take his dad, take his little six and nine year old son out on little trips to learn about plants. And so George Washington Carver birthed in that little boy the importance of plants and what they could do and how they could save the world and how they could save people's lives. And so maybe George Washington Carver ought to get the credit for saving two billion people. Right. Uh, unless, of course, it would be the 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 couple from Diamondback, I think it's Diamondback, uh, Missouri, who um, during a, a time when the you know slavery was still in existence, uh, mm-hmm. and this particular couple was not uh, um, into slavery, and uh, the Contros or Quantros Raiders. I don't know if you're familiar familiar with those of history, but you know they just went through and burned everything and killed you know and installed and and so they went into this uh, couple's the Carvers home and uh and shot a bunch of people killed them uh and ran off with uh a little baby baby boy uh and her mother uh or his mother because the mother wouldn't let go of the baby boy and uh and the wife of henry carver said i am or george carver said i am going to find out how i can get a hold of contrast raiders because i want that little boy back Mm. and so two days later uh, her son or her husband, George, rode out uh, in somewhere in Kansas in uh, the middle of the night and traded the only horse that they had left for what the uh, Quantos Raiders threw to him in a gunny sack. Uh, and it was a naked little black-year-old boy, uh, a mm-hmm. black uh, infant. Uh, he put the boy next to his chest. He walked him all the way back. And he promised that he would educate that child, even though then it was not legal for uh, a black child to be able to be educated. Can you right. imagine that? That's yeah. ridiculous. But uh, but yet still. But the Carvers decided they were going to name that boy George Washington Carver, give him their name, and they were going to educate him. And George Washington Carver ended up being the babysitter of Henry Wallace, who 
called upon uh, Norman Borlaug to create a hybrid plant so that they could uh, feed 2 billion people. So who really got the credit? The point is it's the butterfly effect and you mm-hmm. never know what you're doing that might could make a difference in life. So every day we run our business and we do our thing, but the reality is we have an opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life. Yeah. And so if we'll, we'll uh, point people to positive, uh, you and I always talk about pointing people to to, uh, to Christ. Uh, to me, that's the the most important thing in life. If he's not uh, in your life, then then I want to help you introduce you to him. And if he is in your life, I want to shine a bigger, bigger, better light uh, on how you could be better uh, a light for him. Uh, and so, uh, anyway, I, I just I love that that idea because I, I deal with a lot of guys who uh, who feel like life is over and maybe maybe I've maybe I've ruined it. And maybe yeah. there's not anything I can do. And, and my answer to them is, yeah, there's a lot you can do. In fact, there's something you can do that most of us can't. And that is help somebody else that has an addiction because you've been there and done that. You've pulled yourself up by the bootstraps. You've trusted in Christ to get your life back together. Now you mm-hmm. can help somebody else see that faith inside of you. And therefore, maybe they can get. And you never know who you might save who ends up saving two billion people because of what they're going to do because right. you influence their life. Anyway, yeah. I just think that that's really important. And and business is business and making money is making money. And that's always good stuff. But listen, if you don't have an ulterior motive for what you're doing, maybe you need to rethink what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if what you're doing isn't about something more than just making money, yeah, maybe you ought to think different about what you're doing. But anyway, that's yeah. that's my two cents. And, and it probably cost us a dime. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, inflation, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, that is, it's so good. It's such a good reminder to have that, that viewpoint, that mindset in life of just like every single thing that you do matters. Like Amen. just the words that you say to people and, and even sometimes uh, the tone of voice that you use with other people is like, how is that? You know, we think about that with, uh, with our kids, your grandkids, um, a lot is like how, how we speak to them is going to shape the way that they grow up and the things that they believe. And, uh, you know, uh, Taylor and I were talking, my wife, uh, for, for everyone else, um, uh, we were talking about one of her teachers that, uh, I don't remember what, I think it was like uh, grade three or something. And she said something about um, like the importance of literature in reading. And up until that point, Taylor had never really been interested in reading, never really saw much value there. And then this teacher showed her the value that there is from being able to read and being able to learn from history and, and all of that. And now she loves it. And uh, she said that she ran into her like 10 years later and was like, you probably don't remember saying this, but it completely changed my life as I don't know how old you are. Third. Oh yes, I do. I have a third grader now as of next week. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, when, when she was, you know, like eight years old, um, that changed her life and her outlook. And that was probably something that the teacher was just like, Hey, this is, this is important and not thinking this is going to change the way that she sees things and change, you know, the, the major that she'll have in college and the importance that she'll have or hold on, um, on reading and learning from what we've done in the past so that we don't repeat the things that we 
you know, shouldn't repeat and that we can learn from things and and repeat the good stuff and, uh, and grow on that even more. And just like these little, sometimes just throw away things that we talk to other people or, or say to other people, um, can really change lives and, and, the, the things that we can do uh, can yeah. generations later save billions of people. Uh, yeah, we're just flapping our butterfly. We're flapping our butterfly wings. Amen. Mm-hmm. Just just yeah. keep flapping them wings because you never know. Everything you do and everything you don't do mm-hmm. does have an effect on people. And oh, yeah. so, uh, you know, just keep your head up. Uh, always have a smile on your face. Uh, and everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be affirmed and everybody wants to be well thought of just like you. And so if we'll treat people like a 10, um, it's amazing. The results we will get out of people and it's amazing how far people will push themselves when they feel like a 10 Mm -hmm. and they need to be treated as such. But, uh, this has been fun. Yeah. Yeah, It's a bummer that we're not going to do it more often because this is fun. Maybe we could find a different topic to talk about. Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of things we can talk about. We can we can have a, a recurring series. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love it. I'd love it. I mean, it. I've had Mason on the show like three or four times now, so we can just <laughs> we'll just keep having y'all on. Yeah, well, uh, a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it, and 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 thank you for giving me the opportunity to uh, to share. Uh, uh, I've not been hugely successful, but uh, I've been the happiest guy that that I know. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, you know, I've always told people I can live in a cardboard box and still be happy because yeah. I'm doing the very best I can. I'm giving forth a, a good light. Uh, I'm loving my wife and loving my Lord. And those are the two most important things to me. So, mm-hmm. and, oh, that and, is uh, and of course my children, I, I love yeah, my children. Yeah, I guess you know, yeah, since I'm talking too. to you, I guess I'll just say that. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> just but kidding. yeah, like that is being hugely successful. It's yeah. not always how many millions of dollars have you made? It's what is it? And, and that's like with business, like you were talking about earlier, having a point to your business other than just making money and how do I make yep. more money? Because yep. those people are either, you know, the, the billionaires that we see that are just super greedy, money hungry and yep. hurting other people, exploiting people so that they can make more money. Or they're people who just run their business into the ground because all they were thinking about was money and not the people and, um, and being, having some sort of why, some sort of reason that you can, you can say, this is successful. This business was successful. And for me, a lot of that is I wanted a business that allowed me to be at home and allowed me to, to get to, to see my kids grow up instead of being gone at, you know, for nine plus hours every single day and then getting an hour maybe with them before bedtime or before yeah. like dinner and bedtime and all that. And this has been a very successful business, even though I've had some rough years um, and some very lucrative years. And, uh, but overall it's been very successful because I have been able to be at home. And that was my why and is my why. Uh, so yeah okay before we wrap up and um can uh you know let people know where they can find you and all that um if you want people to find you online um but uh but yeah there's part of the show that i like to do where we talk about what we're loving this week and it can be anything uh from a new you know tv show book whatever uh to any uh literally 
could be anything, a new fishing spot that you found. Uh, what are you loving this week? Well, I'm loving this podcast with you. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Um, yeah, me too. But, but but what am I loving this week? Gee whiz. Um, that's new because I, I can't keep saying the same thing, my wife and my Lord. Um, <laughs> well, That, I, that I've, one's the I, base. Like yeah. this is always loving this. <laughs> I, I've, I've met a new fishing buddy and we've Ooh. not fished yet. Uh, okay. His wife is disabled and he, he can't really get out of the house very much, but he's a wealth of education. And so he sends me stuff to, hey, here's a new way to tie your line on. And I saw him, well, I met him in physical therapy and I saw him just yesterday to tell him, hey, I caught two reds, uh, two redfish uh, off of the new system that you showed me how to do. And it, and it worked fabulously. And so uh, I didn't get to keep the reds because they weren't big enough, but I caught yeah. them. But still, and yeah. so, yeah. And, and so, yeah, I'm kind of excited about some of the new techniques he showed me. I haven't even tried some of them yet. So I'm looking forward to trying them myself and then having the grandkids and you guys out to, to show you, uh, Hey, look what I learned. You know, mm -hmm. I was, I was talking to Maddox the other day cause he was talking about how he really enjoyed fishing with y'all, um, you know, a couple weeks ago, or I guess that was like a week ago. Um, but uh, we were talking about fishing and he was like, have you ever, what's the biggest fish you ever caught? And I was like, I don't know if I've ever caught a fish that was big enough to keep. <laughs> I know <laughs> that I've been there whenever you've caught big fish and, uh, and all that, but I was trying to think back. I don't know that I have ever caught anything that was like, legal to keep i've definitely caught a lot of fish but they're usually pretty small and i was like yeah. maybe one of these days i will i'll have to try learn this new technique and then maybe i can catch something that we could keep yeah. uh but yeah, yeah i just love if, it's 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 the just the uh being out there and fishing and talking yeah. and like that's what you that's what i love about fishing anyway yeah so th for those who don't know john has uh an older son i think what is he eight he's is eight. that right Mm -hmm. uh, and then, and two little girls, uh, four and two, is that, is that about uh, right? Five and two. Yeah. Actually almost three. She'll be three in like two months. So, so we took them fishing and the best part of fishing for them was me using my casting net to catch little bitty bait fish that I put in a bucket for them. Mm -hmm. And then they sat by the water and his littlest one would take a fish out, hold it in her hands, kiss it, and then throw it back in the water. <laughs> <laughs> and and they thought that was the greatest thing that they, they didn't care about any fish that I was catching. They wanted me to catch more little ones so they could throw them back. So yeah, yep. we, we had tons of fun. They, they love to fish. They love yeah. hanging out. So yeah. And that's exactly totally right. enjoyed that it. Just like, I'm just gonna, <laughs> Oh, hello, little thing. I'm going to kiss right. you and set you free. <laughs> it was precious. Or right. ask if, if they can now be our pet. Um, Cause we have had <laughs> pet grasshoppers and, pill bugs and all sorts that's of things. funny uh but that's cool um yeah. let's see for me this week i'm uh uh i'm loving um i mean other than like just kind of summer activities with the kids and stuff yeah. um i'm loving a show uh that i started what is it on apple tv i think um called silo and silo. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's like a uh, post-apocalyptic type movie uh, or show, um, which is right in my wheelhouse. I love those kind of things. Um, but it's a it's a community that they built this deep silo underground that's like 
a hundred levels or something. And they have all lived under there. There's like 10,000 people living there now. And they've, everyone who is living in there has been born in the silo. So it's been generations, uh, like hundreds of years that they've been living in here because the atmosphere is toxic and, and all of that. And it is, um, it's an interesting show of like, some people like conspiracy kind of theorists talking about how, you know, the outside air is not toxic and, you know, really they're just keeping us down here <laughs> and then them finding out certain things. And like, even at the end of the, of season one, you don't really get a lot of answers, which I was like, okay, but I'm definitely going to stick around for season two. Sure. You get, you get some answers at the end of the season one. It is worth it. Uh, but yeah, it was interesting as a different kind of uh, show. It reminded me a lot of the show called Ascension that Netflix canceled years ago uh, that I really loved, which uh, spoiler for Ascension, uh, <laughs> which is over, but um, it was a show based um on uh, people who they sent this huge spaceship into outer space that was going to take hundreds of years to get to this distant planet that uh, they had deemed uh, viable for life, uh, similar to Earth, uh, Earth's atmosphere. So they were sending all these people. And at this point in the show, they were all descendants of people who started the journey. So everyone had been born on the spaceship. Oh, wow. And then you find out that the spaceship is actually just a giant, like Truman show type thing. <laughs> and they have not gone anywhere. It's just surrounded by computer screens showing I stars and they are just in the middle of Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> and people are watching them and it's like a show and That's they're funny. just, uh, like keeping track of all these people. I'm like, this is, this is interesting. Um, but unfortunately they canceled that mid season. Right. So well, why would you know. cancel that? That sounded yeah. like a good, need, good plot line. Back. I yeah, wish really. it was based on a book or something so I could read it. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's what I'm loving silo. Um, where, where can people find you? Or I know you've got a, a podcast now as well. And uh, just let people know all the things. Yeah, so we, we uh, your brother and I, Mason, uh, Sasquatch Mansfield, um, mm-hmm. have started a, a new uh, podcast called Clearing the Record. Uh, and uh, I don't know where all you can find that. That's not my job. Uh, anywhere you get your podcast, I'm I, sure. I think anywhere you get your podcast, you can find us. Um, the first one is is uh, out there and published. We have a couple of others that we've recorded. Uh, we want to get some in our belt before we start releasing them, more of them. But the first one out there is the interview with me and, and Mason and uh, and just sharing my story and what happened to me and, and all of that uh, mm-hmm. mess. And um, other than that, we are doing a documentary. We're working on a, a documentary, I think, Wilco. Uh, and I'm assuming you can put a link uh, to our, uh, yes. uh, uh, to our um, documentary that we're working on. Yeah. Um, but we're, we're working on a documentary, not just about myself, but about other exonerees, um, uh, about the criminal justice system and how it needs to be reformed. We believe that a lot of people aren't really educated about what happens in our criminal justice system because very few of us actually get, uh, you know, accused of a crime or know somebody who has been. Mm-hmm. And so, um, 
you know, it, we're kind of opening up people's eyes to what is going on out there so that maybe we can make some changes uh, to make it, you know, fair, you know, written above the uh, courthouse steps of the Supreme Court is equal justice under the law, and it ought to be equal uh, for everybody. And it shouldn't be that if I live in Oklahoma, I have a right to the exculpatory evidence you have that I didn't do the crime. But if I live in Texas, I don't have the right to that evidence, and you could force me into a plea. Yeah. Um, you know, that's it just, it just doesn't it's, seem right. But it yet, is, it is it, not right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my case went to the Fifth Circuit, uh, which is uh, Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi. And uh, whenever they, they refused my case, but mainly because they wanted, I, it seemed like, because some of the judges even wrote it in their opinions, is they, they wanted it to go to the Supreme Court so the pre- Supreme Court could finally make the decision that anybody face, facing a plea, before mm-hmm. they can accept a plea, they must have access to all exculpatory evidence. But the Supreme Court uh, did nothing. They didn't look at it. Uh, they didn't do anything with it. And they gave no excuse of why they didn't do anything with it. And I'm not a basher of the Supreme Court. I believe in, in our court system. Uh, but I will tell you that I think they're getting a little lazy over there. Uh, okay. They're only hearing 70 cases a year. Uh, uh, they used to hear over 120, 160, uh, and now they're only hearing 70. And a lot of those cases are political uh, in nature. Rather than mm-hmm. dealing with the citizens like you and I every day that are struggling with stuff, we're dealing with things that, you know, you know maybe, uh, maybe 1% of us will ever have to deal with. Uh, but, you know, I just think that uh, anyway – so we're going to go after it a different way, and that is through the podcast and through our uh, documentary. Uh, other than that, I don't know how you could get a hold of me. Yeah, um, those are good places. <laughs> those those are good places to get a hold of me. You can always contact John if you really want to get a hold of me. Uh, he'll get you my contact information. But uh, yeah, we're we're uh, we're moving forward. We're trying to make some change in this world. You know, mm-hmm. we're we're flapping our butterfly wings. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It was like, you're, you're making that little bit of a little bit of wind. Um, And, you know, I think the, the more and more people that listen to the podcast and share and, you know, uh, once the documentary uh, is finished and comes out, um, that's going to be a lot of people flapping their wings and a lot of movement, uh, moving things forward. Um, but yeah, I'll have links to all that in the show notes for everyone. So you can go check that out. And, uh, but yeah, this is, uh, this has been fun. It was good to, to sit down and chat. We don't get a lot of like sit down and chat, just you and me time. Yeah. Cause there's usually, uh, grandkids and, uh, and everyone all around vying for our attention. Uh, yeah. so this has been fun. I enjoyed this. Yeah. Hey, listen, real quick, when you put links down below, uh, yes. when we were talking about Carnegie uh, and, and his books, yeah. uh, I, uh, there is, uh, there is a, a video that you can watch, about 37 minutes long, that synopsises the entire book for you. And it helps you realize little key things that you can do to help win, win friends and influence people. And so for those of you who are not readers, maybe we could put that link down below so that people can be able to click on that and watch a 37 minute video and and learn about, uh, you know, Carnegie's, you know, book that he wrote, you know, 50, 60 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a sign of a good book. It's still holding up to today because a lot of, a lot of business books, a lot of uh, like personal type uh, influence books are just like, uh, well, this like kind of worked in the seventies, but now not working now. Uh, But yeah, that one definitely still holds up. So yeah, we'll get that, uh, that video link as well. Cool. Hey, I love you. Love you too. Thanks so much. This has been good.
I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Wisdom and the Tangents podcast. As always, you can check out all of the things in the show notes at podcast.allheartphoto.com. This podcast was recorded in front of a live audience on YouTube and in the Wisdom and the Tangents podcast group on Facebook. So you can join us for the next conversation and interact with us through the chat. You can find the show on Instagram at wit.pod, W-I-T-T dot P-O-D. You can find me uh, on Instagram and anywhere at All Heart Photo. And you can find uh, the documentary that uh, we talked about at wilcodoc.com. You can also uh, check out some of the videos about um, the documentary as well as the Clearing the Record podcast on YouTube at Spit in One Hand Media. You can thank my brother for that name. And uh, I'll have that linked in the show notes as well as the link to the Clearing the Record podcast. So you can go check out that as well. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next week. Bye, y'all.